I'm very excited to be with you this uh, weekend, I guess today. I'm disappointed that I wasn't able to bring my entire family. We were all planning on coming up, uh, but uh, one of ours got sick, and we wanted to share the gospel with you guys, um, not the flu. So uh, let me uh, tell you a little bit about myself by telling you a little bit about my family. And for those of you that are going to be at the conference uh, this uh, afternoon, that we'll unpack it even more. Uh, over to the far left is uh, Miss Sadie Dotson. She's the wife of my youth and the love of my life. The very first time I saw her, I was in first grade. She came into the cafeteria, and I stood up on my chair and said, Who's that pretty girl? And uh, we were class favorites in first grade. I, kissed, I stole my first kiss in sixth grade. Uh, she led me to the Lord when I was 16, going on 17. And we've been married now for 20 years. In uh, the Burgundy, thank you. Thanks so much. In the Burgundy is my oldest, uh, my daughter, Maddie May. Uh, Maddie May uh, is, uh, loves dance. She loves ballet point, And she also loves Latin. She wants to be a Latin professor when she grows up. And uh, she definitely is mini-me. Uh, back behind her is uh, Kenan. We call him Kenobi. We like nicknames. My nickname uh, was uh, Joby Wan in high school, which got me beat up quite a bit. Uh, so we thought we would call him Kenobi. We're big Star Wars geeks. Uh, to his left is uh, Aiden. We call Aiden Cheeto. Uh, I worked in inner city Houston, and uh, when he was born with red hair, uh, the inner city kids uh, tagged him with the name Cheeto because of the color of his hair. And he's actually with us uh, this weekend, so you guys will get to, to see him running around. And then uh, to his left is uh, Ian. Uh, Ian was born in Scotland. Uh, he, uh, we call him Kong. He was almost 12 pounds when he was born, and he was two weeks early. We had... We had moved from Houston to Scotland, and the Scots were like, everything is bigger in Texas. Uh, but he is also with us uh, this weekend as well. Uh, in the middle here is uh, Diamond. Uh, we're in the process of adopting Diamond. Uh, her uh, adoption process will be uh, over in March, and she will be um, ours in the government's eyes, although in the Lord, in our hearts, she already um, belongs to us. Her name is Diamond, and we call her Sparkles. Uh, and she's the one that's uh, a little under the weather this week, so you guys will be praying for her. And then uh, finally is uh, Caspian. We call him C. Diddy. Uh, we adopted Caspian a few years ago, and uh, he loves to sing. He loves Frozen. He loves to draw, and uh, he, he likes to tell jokes, uh, and he follows kind of uh, his uh, siblings in that. Um, my, my kids like to tell jokes, but they don't like to tell good jokes. They like to tell bad jokes. And if you're a parent, um, perhaps you have this time like, okay, no more jokes in the house. And we had this one night to where uh, Cheeto came up and said, hey, dad, did you hear the joke about Jesus in the bar? It's like, oh, no, I'm scared to ask. I was like, where is this going? And he's like, yeah, Jesus went into the bar and said, I'll just have water. It's like, ah, 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 see what you did there. Well, uh, we kind of gave him some accolades. And so his uh, Ian came up and was like, well, I have a joke too. I want to tell a joke. I'm like, okay. He says, the past, the present, and the future all walked into the bar. It was tense. <laughs> Give these guys a break. They're homeschooled kids, okay? They are homeschooled kids. And I said, okay, no more bar jokes. We're Baptists. We don't do bar jokes. And uh, my daughter, Maddie Mae, said, yeah, let's do some Peter Pan jokes. They never get old. So Kenobi, the one in the back, he's our math and science guy. He was like, well, I got a science joke for you. I was like, oh, because those are always funny. And he says, you know why you can't trust atoms? It's like, no, why can't you trust atoms? He said, because they make everything up. It was going from bad to worse. I and mean, we were like breaking bad. 
until finally Caspian, uh, the, the one on the far left, uh, he stepped up and said to his sister, he says, Maddie, do you know what's better than pizza? We're all expecting a punchline. We're like, no, what's better than pizza? And he said, yeah, me neither, and walked away. <laughs> do you know what's better than pizza? No, yeah, I don't either. And he walks away. Uh, so also this morning, I come to you guys and say, do you know what's better than the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah, me neither. Do you know what's better than God sending his only son so that we wouldn't have to perish, but we could have everlasting life? Do you know what's better than he who knew no sin becoming sin so that we might become the righteousness of God? Do you know what's better of a God who did not uh, spare his own son so that we could have all things? And because of the sacrifices of his son, neither death nor light nor principalities nor authorities nor rulers, nothing, 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 nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Do you know anything that's better than the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah, me neither. But if I'm honest with you this morning, I would say that there are times where I take the gospel for granted. There are times where the gospel no longer strikes me. It no longer stirs me like it has in the past. And it's almost like I've gotten inoculated to the gospel. But I think my problem is that it's not that I've gotten inoculated to the gospel. It's not that I've gotten uh, bothered with the gospel, but it's that we've dumbed down the gospel. We've taken a gospel that's supposed to, we're supposed to taste and see that the Lord is good. A Gastano's gospel, a darn good pies gospel. And we've packaged it down into a single-topping store-bought gospel. We get aspects of this beautiful gospel, and we emphasize uh, one aspect, and we miss out on all of the depth and the depth and the beauty of the gospel. To switch metaphors, um, the gospel is like a diamond. And it has so many facets. And every time you turn the gospel, you see something that you've never seen before. But we have a tendency in our lives and our churches just to focus, just to stress one aspect of that facet, just to get fascinated on, on one facet of it. And we see that this tendency actually goes all the way back, even before Jesus, to the Judaism before Jesus, between the time between Malachi and Matthew, um, that people begin to uh, focus on just different aspects of the gospel. As you know, this afternoon, I'm going to be walking through Matthew through Revelation. And so this sermon is going to be a bit different. It's going to kind of set up uh, that time. And what I want to do is kind of walk through these four tendencies, these four patterns of thought that really uh, come to a head in the gospel. And it sounds a bit heady, but I promise you I'm going to lead you to um, kind of an aha moment. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Now, being a, a scholar, I have to give pre-qualifications. This is kind of who we are. And the first pre-qualification is that you know that 50% of all statistics are made up. Um, so also, uh, generalizations, they're like almost always wrong, but always helpful. And so I'm going to be making some generalizations here. Um, the four patterns of thought that I'm giving you here, uh, they're not hard and fast. They bleed on to one another. And so we're not talking, talking about either or um, with these tendencies as much as what the stress is, as much as what the emphases are. And so we're going to look at kind of four patterns of thought, four different uh, groups of people that when they looked at the gospel, when they looked at the truth of God, they focused on this facet. They focused on this pizza topping rather than all of them. And we're going to bring it to an aha moment. The first group that we're going to look at is a group called the priest. The priest, they looked at the world and said, man, the world is wrong. The world is not right. There's evil in the world. And what is wrong with the world? Their answer to that is that we're dirty. We're impure. We're sullied. We have impurities in our life. And so that's what's wrong with the world. And what we need 
is to be purified. What we need is to be made holy. What we need is to be sanctified. And so the priests, their focus, what they got excited about was the temple of the Lord. They would go back and they would look and think, oh man, think about how great it was when Solomon built the temple of the Lord and the Shekinah glory of God, it came down and it filled the place. It filled the place so much that we can't even uh, do our work. We were like, turn down for what? Uh, And so they just got, uh, they would focus like, man, think about the, the kind of this culmination where the beautiful truth of God came down and it dwelt in our temple. And so they would look and they would point and say, you know, that's what's wrong with the world. What's wrong with the world is that we're not worshiping. What's wrong with the world is that we're not making proper sacrifices. They would go back to other Old Testament stories. For example, the story of Aaron. If you go back to um, Numbers, you remember that uh, Korah, he rebels against Moses. Hate is going to hate, 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 hate. Um, and so God decides to shake off Korah. Um, he has the, the ground eat Korah and his family. just swallows them whole. Roar. But the Israelites still didn't learn. They went after that. They still continued to complain and gripe against Moses until God was like, come at me, bro. He's so angry that he tells Moses and Aaron, you guys stay right here. I'm about to go wipe out those people. In the words of Johnny Cash, I'm going to cut them down. Don't do anything. And so God sent out his death angel and his death angel began to go and knock them down one after another, killing hundreds and thousands of Israelites. Finally, Aaron couldn't stand it anymore. And he's like, we got to do something. And so he goes and he stands in front of the presence of God and he makes a sacrifice. And with the blood of the bull, all of a sudden God's wrath is turned away. It become propitiation, expiation. The people of Israel had been made clean. And so you had these priests, especially between Malachi and Matthew, that they begin to emphasize the temple, the temple, the temple. Look at our world. Look at what's wrong. What we need is to worship. What we need is sacrifice. We need to be made holy. We need to be sanctified. Keep those two words in your mind, holy and sanctified. Well, we had another group that said, you know, no, no, that shouldn't be our stress. That shouldn't be our emphasis. The problem with the world is not that we're impure as much as that we're rebellious, the problem with the world is not that we're dirty. It's that we have broken the law. And so whereas the priests come and say, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the prophets come and say, no, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Speaking of Bibles, uh, with our children, for some reason, they have an open door policy when they go to the restroom. They never shut the door. The two things, two complaints I have against my children. They never turn off lights and they never shut the door. Like, we don't want to see that. And it's even uh, fit, trickled down to my five-year-old. The other day, my wife and I were walking down our hall and we looked and there's an open door. And there's my five-year-old, buck naked, not a single <laughs> bit of clothes on, sitting on the potty. Backwards. He had turned around on the potty. Not only that, but he was using the back of the potty to read his Bible and eat a bowl of cereal. (laughs) Bible here, his little kid's Bible, eating Cheerios. My wife looked and said, that is so gross. And I looked and said, that is absolutely brilliant. Do you realize how much time I could have saved in my life? That's what I'm, that gives a whole new meaning to multitasking. <laughs> but he was reading his Bible. He was taking serious to meditate on God's word day and night. And so as he was emptying his bladder, he was filling his spirit. Um, 
But, but that's the prophets. The prophets, their focus was on the, the law, the Torah, um, the book of Moses. And, and it's not that, it, the problem is that we have, are enemies of God. We have broken God's law. And because we're enemies and broken of God's law, what we need is justification. What we need is to be reconciled with God. Because we have broken God's law, there is no peace. There is no shalom. And if we want to have peace with God, if we want to have inner peace, we want to have uh, national peace, then we have to repent, repent, repent. Once we repent, then we have justification. Okay, so remember, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, their focus is sanctification, our holiness. The prophets are going to come and they're saying, no, 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 justification, righteousness. We need to be made right with God. And it's interesting because if you actually go back and we can see this um, before uh, with the prophets, a bit of fisticuffs going on between the prophets and the priest. Um, over this emphasis. Remember in Jeremiah chapter 7, he goes and uh, there's all these people coming into worship and he begins to talk trash to them. He begins to talk smack, just like uh, Tom Brady's going to talk smack against the Seattle. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't notice your shirts. <laughs> just kidding, I'm a Saints man. But Jeremiah is talking so much trash that his breath is stinking. I mean, he's out there and all these people are going into worship and he's like, look at you guys going in saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. You guys think you can go in and make sacrifices and then you're okay? Well, uh, as soon as you walk out from making sacrifices, you go go out and you oppress the poor, you ignore the widow and the orphan, you cheat on your wife, you live lies, you do not obey the law. We see that in Jeremiah. This is pre-exilic. We go to the post-exilic. What does Malachi say? He says, God doesn't want your sacrifices. He doesn't want the blood of bulls. God says, I wish that you would shut the damn doors of the temple. This is the word that Malachi uses. Because seriously, it's a word that he uses. The, the temple is cursed because you are bringing to me these sacrifices that are impure, that, that are not uh, from the heart. And I want obedience. I want humility. I want you to live according to the law. And so the, the, the priests come and say, the temple of the Lord, what we need is to be made clean. We need sanctification. And the prophets come and say, no, no, we are enemies of God. We need peace with God. And peace comes from justification, uh, us being made righteous when we repent. Now, the third group is very much closely related to the prophets. Um, we'll call them the mystics. Whereas the priests come and say, man, we're dirty. What we need is sanctification. The prophets come and say, man, we have broken God's law. We are the culprits. What we need is justification. The mystics come and say, no, the problem with the world is demonic powers. The mystics really begin to develop um, after the exile, after the Babylonians come and destroy Israel and and Judah and take, take them off. Then the Israelites begin to realize, you know, there's some other players involved. And we begin to see the name of Satan and Beelzebub and Beliar come up. And for them, they look and say, the problem of evil is not so much that we're dirty. It's not so much that we're culprits, but instead we're in bondage. There's these demonic powers that have us in shackles. And so whereas these guys are singing in the temple and these guys are singing the B-I-B-L-E, these guys are singing, take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. We, we need redemption. We need freedom. We need liberation from these demonic powers that are over us. Focus here is the temple of the Lord. Focus here is the word of the Lord. Focus here is the day of the Lord. These guys said one day God's going to come back. And he is going to crush Satan under our feet. One day, Jesus, one day God is going to come back and he's going to put death to death. Where, O oh death, is your sting? 
You've been swallowed up in victory. And for these guys, the, the, the key was the day of the Lord. First group wanted to focus on uh, this new high priest that was going to come and, and revisit what we had with Solomon. These guys focused on this new prophet like Moses who would speak the very words of God. The mystics focused on this son of man character that Daniel talks about. Remember where the ancient of days comes um, and there's, there's really apocalyptic to use a big word. And when the son of man comes, all things bow down at his feet. And so they're looking at the day of the Lord when the son of man comes again. The last group we'll call the sages, the wise guys. Whereas for, for them, the problem of evil was not that we were dirty as much. It wasn't so much that we were culprits. It wasn't that we were victims. It's just that we were idiots. For them, they'll say, yeah, sure, everything happens for a reason. But sometimes the reason is that you're a moron and you made bad mistakes. This is the wise guys. Um, for, for them, what we needed was understanding. What we needed was wisdom. Their focus wasn't on the temple of the Lord. It wasn't on the word of the Lord. It wasn't on the day of the Lord. It was on God's creation. The creation of God. This is God's climax. God came in Genesis 1. He created the world. And that's where we find um, the, the beauty and the truth of God. And remember what was that um, creation? The Lagos. The word of the Lord. The Lagos, not the Bible, not the Torah, but the, the Lagos. And who was also with God at creation? Wisdom. Remember, through wisdom, God created the world. And so they would come and say, yeah, if we want salvation, what we need is wisdom. We need logos. We need the word of God. And we need the wisdom of God. Think about how James starts off. So they would come and say, this is what we want to focus on. So you had all of these streams that are in competition with one another. Stresses. All of them would say, yeah, there's some truth in there, but this is what we need to focus on. This is our pepperoni. This is our Canadian bacon. This is the facet that we're looking at. And so they would have kind of this, this, this debate. And um, you even have traditions and schools that focus on one over the other. And so we come and we see the, the, this battle going on. And then we get to the New Testament. We get to this great New Testament and we see at the very beginning... And, and John, when Johnny B, John, John the Baptist, we call him Johnny B, he sees Jesus Christ. And there were all of these people that were looking for this son of man. who would, They were looking for this, this one who was going to come and make us clean. And John the Baptist, not in Matthew, not in Mark, not in Luke, but John the Baptist looks and says, Behold! Whoa! Check it out! This is what we've been waiting for! Not the wisdom of God. Not, not, the, the, not the, uh, the, the, the Redeemer, but instead the Lamb of God. The one who makes us clean, who takes away the sins of the world. We had some who were saying, you know what? We're looking for this redeemer who's going to crush Satan, who's going to kill death. And you have in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul coming and saying, you know, at the end of the day, when Jesus comes back with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, I think he's explaining when the saints come marching in. Um, but with um, uh, this, all of a sudden, we will be changed. And we'll, we'll sacrifice these um, earthly bodies for those that are, that are holy, that are spiritual. Um, and we'll come to the point, and at this point, God, Jesus Christ, will cut down every ruler and authority, principality, demonic power. And last of all, he will kill death. Jesus is going to kill death, and he's going to hand it over to Fa God the Father. And he's going to submit himself to God the Father. And God will become all in all. Woohoo! The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ is the one who crushes the head of the serpent. Some people are coming and saying, you know what? What we need is his wisdom. We need the, the one who's going to be the wisdom of God. And we see in Luke where Jesus stands up and says, hey, wisdom will be proven right by our children. And guess what? I am the wisdom. 
There are people who are looking for the logos. And John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the logos. And the logos was with God. And the logos was God. And the logos came and it dwelt and tabernacled among us. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. He is the, the, the logos. Jesus is our Redeemer. He says, reading the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for redemption for the many. Jesus Christ is a prophet like Moses. We'll talk about this more in our first session this afternoon. But we see that Jesus is the prophet like Moses who speaks the very words of God. Moses went on the mountain to give uh, the law. Jesus Christ comes and he gives the new law. Um, uh, and, and so Jesus speaks the very words of God. And all of this, think about these competing ideas and streams. They come together in 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Exodus, move back up to verse 29. So that no person has a boast before God, because from him, from God, you are in Christ Jesus. This is going to be legend. Wait for it. Dairy. In Christ Jesus. Who is Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ our wisdom? Is Jesus Christ our sanctification? Is Jesus Christ our righteousness? Is Jesus Christ um, our high priest? Well, who is Jesus Christ? Which one of these are right? Which one is the stress? Um, verse 30. Jesus Christ became for us the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ became for us justification, righteousness. And Jesus Christ became for us sanctification, holiness. And Jesus Christ became for us redemption, liberation. Do you see what Paul did? He sees all of these streams and saying, hey, you're looking for life. You're looking for this. You're looking for this. I tell you, Jesus Christ He's all of these things. I was reading a report the other day of a, a guy named Captain Smith who is on the, uh, the suicide task force uh, for the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, ironically, when they built the Golden Gate, Gate Bridge, uh, they said that it was going to be suicide proof. But since its construction, there's been more suicides there than anywhere else. And it's tragic because what happens is that uh, when they jump off of the, the bridge, there's about a 30 second free fall. But it's not enough actually to kill them on impact. For many of them, uh, when they hit the water, that uh, they break their bones and they're, they become paralyzed, but they're not dead. And so then they drown in the icy waters um, there in the bay. And Captain Smith had gone back to school to learn how to be a, a psych, to get his psychology degree and uh, do his best. Um, and he began to kind of recount uh, some of the stories. And one of the stories that just really broke my heart was a story of a guy named Johnny from uh, New Jersey. And he'd flown out, a 30-year-old, he'd flown out to the Golden Gate Bridge to take his life. And Captain Smith was called and he was there and he was talking, he was begging. He, he was uh, using uh, his gifts to try to talk uh, Johnny back off of the ledge. Johnny looked at Captain Smith and he screamed out, do you remember the story of Pandora's box? Captain Smith said, what? He said, do you remember the story of Pandora's box? To freshen up your uh, Greek mythology. In Greek mythology, Zeus sends down Pandora and he gives her this box. And he says, whatever you do, whatever you do, do not open the box. Of course, curiosity gets the best of Pandora. She opens up the box and all sorts of evils, all the evil in the world come out of the box. Um, the darkness, the sin, the grossness, all that was, this, that was nasty um, comes out of the box. 
But at the bottom of the box, after all that evil had gone out, there was a little bitty light that came out, a glimmer. And that glimmer was hope. Back to the story, Johnny looked and said, do you remember the story of Pandora's box? And Captain Smith said, yeah. And he said, what happens when you look inside the box and there's no light? What happens when you look inside the box and there's no light? With that said, Johnny leaned over and he took his life. Perhaps there's some of you here this morning that lately you've been looking in the box and you don't see any light. For some of you, you just look in the box and you just feel so dirty. You feel so nasty. You feel so unclean. You feel so impure. But the word of God wants you to know if you look deeper, you'll see that Jesus Christ is your sanctification. Jesus Christ is your holiness. He took on your filth. He took on your dirtiness. He took on your soil so that you could be pure and spotless. For some of you look in the box and there's just no peace. There's no joy. There's emptiness when you think of God, if not anger. And there's no peace inside of your life. And you look, but the word of God says, look deeper. If you look closely, you'll see Jesus Christ who became for you justification. Yeah, you've broken God's law. Yeah, you're guilty. But guess what? Jesus Christ, he took on your guilt. Jesus Christ, he died so that you could be a child of God. Some of you look in the box You just feel like you're in shackles. Perhaps it's addiction. Perhaps it's just you trying to do good. And every time you try to do good, evil is right there. And you just feel like you're powerless. But if you look in the box, you'll see Jesus Christ. He is your redemption. Jesus Christ came to set you free. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is wisdom. Look deeper in the box. For some of you look in the box and you just feel like you don't have any understanding like this world just doesn't make sense. You just feel like that when it comes to understanding and sorting out how to deal with your family, how to deal with your marriage, how to put the pieces of a prodigal son back together, how to to live a life of wisdom, you just feel like this is dark and obscure. But if you look deeper, you'll see that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. I served as a youth pastor in inner city Houston uh, for about six years, and uh, we were in the highest crime rate uh, in Houston, and just had a lot of students who obviously came with a lot of baggage, and uh, one student by the name of Jenny uh, just always felt dirty. She always felt filthy. She had been abused as a child growing up, and she just could never get past that, and I remember just kind of crying and weeping with her and kind of sharing her the Bible and the truth, and just never clicked, and God called us away from that church before I ever saw anything happen uh, with Jenny, but Jenny, she felt so dirty that she thought, well, if I cut myself then that can let out some of the dirt. Um, she had even tried a couple of times to commit suicide. She had failed and where she had slit her wrist and had been, fortunately, by the grace of God, someone had caught her. But she said, you know, I just want to feel like I just have filth and dirtiness inside of me. And, and, and by when that blood comes out, then that, 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 this, it makes me clean. Well, I came back. It's been 10 years and went to a wedding this past uh, Christmas. And there was Jenny. And Jenny had something I had never seen much on her, a smile. And she, she ran up to me and she hugged me. She said, I want to show you something. It's like, all right. She pulled up her sleeves. And where um, the scars uh, still were, over on top of them, were these two, rudiment, two rudimentary uh, tattoos of crosses. And I looked at her and I was like, what, what's going on? She's like, uh, I think I finally got it. Finally found someone who suffered, knows what it means to suffer. 
I found someone who knows what it means to, to, to shed his blood. And I said, well, do you still struggle with suicidal tendencies? And she said, every day. It's probably not a day that goes by where I don't think about um, killing myself. But you know what? Now when I think of and look at my wrist, I realize that he gave his life so that I wouldn't have to give mine. He gave up his life so I wouldn't have to give mine. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want you to ask the Lord, what in this message does he have for you? What is it that has your name on it? For some of you, you're here this morning because you've been looking at the box this entire week, this entire month, perhaps the past few years, and it's just been black and darkness. And God wants you to see that there is a glimmer of light. There is hope for the hopeless. There is light for those in darkness. And for some of you, You've seen an aspect, you've seen a facet about the gospel that you've never focused on. For some of you, you've just been going around thinking that you're filthy and you're dirty and God wants you to know that he became your holiness and he clothes you in his purity and you don't have to feel dirty anymore because he shed his blood. He was the high priest. He was the lamb of God so that you can be clean. See that light. Let that cross be on your wrist. For some, you just feel like there's no peace of God inside of you. And God's saying, just look, he's your righteousness. He is your justifier. And allow God to tattoo justification, righteous upon your heart. For some, you've been looking at the box and you just feel like you're in shackles and addiction. And God wants you to tattoo on your heart. You have been redeemed. You were bought with a price. You are not your own. Some of you, God wants to tattoo on your life, wisdom. Yeah, it feels like your marriage is not going to make it, but the wisdom of God is stronger than the foolishness that you're walking through. You feel like that things are not going to work out with your children, but the wisdom of God is there. And God's saying, just look in the box, see the light. Let wisdom be tattooed upon your life today. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that it will move with power, with great conviction in the Holy Spirit. God, that you would tattoo things in our life. God, that you would show us facets about the gospel. God, that we would be a people that know how long, how wide, how deep, and how high is the love of Jesus Christ and the truth of his gospel. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.